0: Hey there, freedom lovers, Kurt Mercadante here, and wanted to let you know that today's episode, and in fact, the episodes all week long are brought to you by the Rapport Mastery Complete Virtual Sales System that's been put together by my mentor and our freedom partner, Joe Peachy. In 2020, he was ranked the number one sales trainer in the world by Global Gurus, and you can get his complete virtual sales system for over 60% off right now. If you're serious about selling, about increasing your revenue, whether you're a new entrepreneur, a entrepreneur, or a seasoned business owner, go check the link in the show notes to get over 60% off of this virtual sales system from internationally acclaimed sales trainer, Joe Peachy. Now, what are you going to get with this? You get 10 courses designed to improve your sales skills, four bonus courses. That's a total of 14 courses, 53 sessions of interactive video content, a workbook to help you fast track your results. It's all virtual. The 14 courses include nine essential skills for sales success, a winning sales process, speaking your client's language, active listening, rapport mastery, powerful messaging, and 17 strategies for finding endless quality leads, and so much more. It's the Rapport Mastery Complete Virtual Sales System. You can get it for over 60% off right now check the link in the show notes. If you want to close more deals, book more appointments, recover lost revenue, take advantage of this offer. The Rapport Mastery Complete Virtual Sales System from internationally acclaimed sales trainer, Joe Peachy. Click the link in the show notes. Take advantage of it today. Hey there, freedom lovers. This is the Freedom Media Network. I am your host, Kurt Mercadante. If you are a return visitor, welcome back. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Please don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. We have another incredible guest today. We always have incredible guests, humans who are helping you grow the freedom and prosperity in your life, but doing it without the grind. Today, we welcome Sunil Godsay. He helps those running businesses create a trusted brand by implementing a process he developed called intuitive branding. And you are gonna hear that word intuition and intuitive a lot in today's episode. He helps these business owners unleash the power of intuition to make decisions that earn the trust of their employees and customers in under 14 seconds. His website is sunilgodsay.com. There's links wherever you're watching this in the show notes. He's also got two books. One is called Gut, what it is, how to trust it, how to use it. And the other one is fail fast, succeed faster. He has interviewed thousands of folks on how they have used a trust in their intuition and picked up on their intuitive signals to grow their freedom and prosperity. Without further ado, here is my interview with Sunil Godse. Sunil, thank you so much for joining. As you said, long time no see. I just had the honor and the pleasure of of recording an episode on your podcast. And it's such a pleasure to have you here today
1: Thank you so much thanks for uh, inviting me and uh, hope to hope to uh, enlighten people on on the nuances of intuition uh, and uh, drop some knowledge bombs and some really good tips on how people can improve their intuitive abilities you know starting with listening to this podcast episode.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, um, I can't remember, but on LinkedIn, you had shared someone's, maybe we were connected, and I reached out in that one word. You had me at intuition because it's something, and we may have discussed this on your episode back in the fall. um, You know, as you become more aware, and we'll talk about that, I guess, and these intuitive signals, you start to pay more attention to things that it's probably your particular activating system, right? putting things in front of you and now you're more aware of them. And there was one day where it was just, I was in kind of a, a seeking mode of direction and the word intuition came to me three or four separate times on a day. I read it, someone brought it up to me, actually I think it was my acupuncturist, and then later that night I was at a, uh, I was listening to a speaker and he just kept saying, trust your intuition, uh, be be guided by your intuition. And so that word has stuck with me. And, and every morning, it's one of my affirmations. I am intuitive to teach me, to to, to tell me, right to tell myself to pay attention to it and, and be aware of it. And then I saw you pop up and it was like, you know you know the algorithm, right? It, it, there's a one in whatever, I have 30,000 followers. So it, there's a one in 30,000 chance that I would see it. And I saw it, and I said, I got to reach out. So I appreciate it. And, and Everything you do, because as I mentioned, I was binging your content and it just really speaks to me. So, thank you for everything.
1: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to find out what I'm doing and, uh, you know, kind of the purpose of what I'm really trying to do. And, and you're right, like, it, intuition is one of those things that is, it, because it's subconscious in nature, it's not one thing that you really, uh, you know, think about. And, um, you know, but what I've done is really taken a deep dive into really understanding what it is. Uh, and with my experience sort of using it in businesses and helping other businesses, that's really kind of honed the craft. But, you know, I mean, intuition doesn't know the difference between your know, personal life or your business life. It's just got this, these, these characteristics to it, which we'll dive into, which are really unique to each and every single person. Um, but ultimately, when you listen to your intuition, it guides you to make the right decisions uh, and has you step away from those decisions you shouldn't be making. And it's ultimately up to you that when you trust it, it moves your life forward and open up, opens up the doors of opportunity. And when you don't, there's consequences for it.
0: Now, I, if you're okay with it, I, I'd like to start with a story that that you've told before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a painful story, even to listen to, about your friend. I believe it was in college um and it was really a a stark lesson to you i guess on on why you should, or at least a wake-up call or paying attention to your tuition. If, if, if you'd be willing to share that with our listeners and viewers, I, I, I would appreciate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this was what, right when you know I kind of realized, uh, and I just want to sort of backstep a little bit in terms of getting me to think about those incidences. And it was really after I wrote my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster, where mm-hmm. the premise of that book is really, okay, if I've listed a bunch of failures that other people have gone through, then if you were to read that book, then conceptually or theoretically, you should, not, you should be able to succeed faster because somebody else has already gone through the failures, and one of the things that I get kept getting asked was, "What is the one thing that's going to help me uh, overcome failure?" Uh, and um, and of course, you know, with a 400 page book, uh, you know, I I said, "Well, yeah, this is a thick book here. You know, it's not one thing." But what tied things together when I went back to the audio recordings was that. 80 to 90% of those who I interviewed had used some form of, I should have trusted my intuition. I ignored my intuition. I knew what the right decision was. And that's what got me started down Hmm. thinking, okay, what is this thing called intuition? And so one of the incidences that you're talking about was when I was reflecting back to the times that I ignored it. This is one that screamed out to me. So this was a friend of mine who was actually being stalked uh, Hmm. at the time. And I was in engineering and I was doing some personal coaching. and, uh, so she said, Sunil, I need some advice. And sure enough, there was something nudging me, uh, which now I now know our intuitive signals were saying, meet with her that afternoon. Uh, she needs your advice right away. But I had a couple of people convince me to go for beers, uh, and mm-hmm. say, you know, come on, let's, let's and, and this is where that. Trust and relationships, it comes into into play, and I so I let these guys convince me to go for beers, and so I asked my friend, you know, do you mind if we meet a couple of days later? And as a good friend she was, she said, yeah, sure, you know. Uh, and what ended up happening is the very next day, uh, that same stalker walked up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead, and okay. killed her instantly. And uh, that's when I start reflecting on those types of really key parts of. When my intuition played a really critical role in my life, um, in this case, it could have saved my uh, friend's life had I listened to my intuition.
0: The intu- you know, when you tell that story, and when I when I was listening to it earlier this week, you know, yeah. one of the things that I think about is is trusting your intuition, but also uh, the interesting notion of proving a negative. Meaning, you know, they always say, if you bring your umbrella, it won't rain. But if you leave it at home, it will rain. Right. And you could never prove that because you bro- brought your umbrella, it didn't rain because you can't prove a negative. You know, and you see that in society a lot. Well, it would have been far worse had you not done this. Well, how do you know that? How can you prove that? Is it, a, is it when, you, when you talk about trusting your intuition, if you had met with your friend and that instance had never occurred... You would never know it. And so it's an interesting piece of uh, that's what I was thinking about. How do you know how to trust it uh, versus not trust it? Versus, um, you know, sometimes I'll be like, I know I should go, but, uh," you know, I like to try and get a state of flow, but determining between laziness, (laughs) uh, well, it's not in my essence. I feel like just waiting at home tonight and it's like knowing when it's intuition versus something else.
1: Yeah. And, and I actually the very, very first step that people like when I often do these podcasts or on stage, you know, one of the things I get people to think about is, is go through those what if scenarios. And Mm -hmm. so when you look back in your past, because one of the, the biggest parts of intuition that I think is misunderstood is there's a lot of pattern matching with what's happened in the, ba- in the, in the past. And one of the four types which we'll get into is called experiential intuition. Um, and with experiential intuition, what happens is uh, when you're born, and there's a research paper that shows that uh, infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies. Uh, when you're born and when you're very young, uh, we go through five to 6,000 experiences per day and when you're older, twenty-eight to thirty-five thousand experiences per day, depending on the research paper you want to you want to follow. Uh, but the 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 issue is that every single piece of that learning experience that you have goes into the subconscious area of your brain, like a library, which is where your intuition is. Uh, and if you look at your brain like a, like an iceberg, ninety percent is below water. That's the subconscious part of your brain, and the conscious part of that is the ten percent above uh, water. And so we have billions and billions and billions of data points of things that have happened in the past that your intuition draws from. And so when when we talk about these what-if scenarios, this is where, like I did, I went back to the past to say, okay, when did I make a decision that went right? And when I made a decision that went right, what did it feel like in that moment? And those are these things that we call positive intuitive signals. And these are the signals that would have told us that this is the right decision. And, uh, and so for me, for example, that feels like a flow or the dots connecting. Uh, and each one is going to be different. I, I, uh, it's, it's very unique because all of our experiences are unique. And in fact, I had one CEO that had this omen pop up on his right shoulder. Uh, and hmm. he's now run two multi-million dollar businesses, two separate areas. One was online shopping in Canada. The other one is bespoke clothing, which is now international based on this omen that pops up, which is a positive negative signal. And the other one are negative intuitive signals, right? And so to figure out what those are, I get people to say, okay, when did you make a bad decision and what did that feel like? Uh, and uh, for me, again, those bad signals are, are getting that gut feeling or uh, you know, the, the first trigger is I lose my peripheral vision and mm-hmm. I get hyper-focused and my, my eyebrows cross. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm looking at something that's bad. It could be that I'm, I'm, a, I'm thinking about making a decision, but it's not the right one. And when that starts to happen, I know, whoa, I got to pause. Either I got to back away that, from that decision. I may need to get more information. I may need to talk to someone. I may need to inform myself before I actually move ahead with that decision. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the decision is right or wrong yet. Hmm. Uh, and this is where the four types of intuition come in, which we'll get into a little bit. But Coming back to sort of the what-if scenarios, that's what happens, that's what was happening to me, is going back to say, okay, oh, my friend got killed and I could have prevented that. Okay, hold on, but there were other times, so what about the time where I, where I got into engineering for the wrong reasons? Because hmm. so I listened to my, I'm South, uh, East Asian, uh, South Asian, so, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer or failure, those are the only four career doors you have. Uh, My dad's saying you gotta be an engineer or a doctor, what have you, and so I fell into the trap of societal norms um, and cultural norms, and I became the engineer, although everything, my intuition was saying, be an entrepreneur. In fact, when I was five years old, uh, you know, I I remember I wanted to buy these video games and my dad said, no, you can't have them. They're too expensive. And I distinctly remember exactly where I was standing. I was in a forested area, looking at my sneakers and thinking about my dad's decision not to buy video games. And this voice pops up and says, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. Hmm. So I had, as a five-year-old kid, I went door to door to raise money and that weekend I raised it was a Saturday I raised $200. $100 went to my dad to buy those video games and I, the other $100 went to a charity that my my school was doing cuz I loved that that sort of purpose they were doing made me feel really good. And so there was that sort of entrepreneurial spirit when I was young and everything I else everything else I did up to then was really anything entrepreneurial in nature whether it was selling, you know, helping with the bake sale uh, uh you know trying to get some customers advice, you know getting helping people do this or that anything entrepreneurial in nature I always became really successful at, although I didn't mm-hmm. look at uh, connecting the dots going back, which is what Steve Jobs says is yeah. it? in his Stanford address. So when I connect the dots going backwards, I suddenly think, okay, intuition was there, and when i when I trusted it, I raised a couple of hundred bucks when I ignored it, I went into engineering when I should have been the entrepreneur. Uh, and when I trusted my intuition after getting into engineering, and this is where you can, you can ignore your intuition, but then come back because your intuition never leaves your side. Mm-hmm. When I started to trust it, it got me to quit engineering. I lost my relationship with my dad. I never spoke to him for a number of years, mm-hmm. uh, but I then became a part investor in a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. And within a couple of years, I was making five times more in dividends, mm-hmm. doing something part-time on the side uh, than you know, being a full-time engineer. And so I I just dove headfirst, and that started my entrepreneurial career, $20 million in revenues through a various number of businesses. And then people caught wind that I was doing something crazy. And so they asked me, Sunil, can you help our businesses? Uh, And pretty soon I started helping others go from six to seven figures. And I had SAP, Western Digital, Rogers Wireless contact me, Citibank. Um, and then now, now I've compartmentalized that because of the pandemic, we've gone into a more coursework coaching model called mm-hmm. Intuitive Branding. Um, and um, there's a number of people that don't want to give their testimonials because of uh, uh, of confidentiality, and they they don't want their competitors to know that they're they've hired me. But of those who have given testimonials, a website collectively they get, they've gained over a million dollars to their bottom line. Um, and and again, it's it's down to this power of this intuition in, in making the right decisions that earn the trust of the people around you. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's what intuition is really there for.
0: You mentioned uh, in, in a few cases there about the Steve Jobs quote about you can't connect the dots moving forward, only going backward. And I love that. And to do that takes, I guess, the trust of the intuition. Some would say a leap of faith that they're all going to connect. I think Steve Jobs even said that. Um, when you do that, I find you know one of the biggest challenges that I find with my clients and and even for me, you know sometimes is um and I think I stole this quote i, I and I want to say from Jack Canfield if it was Wayne Dyer or someone else, apologies, sue me, but it's don't let the how get in the way of your what right, and so there's a lot of people who want to know specifically the dots moving forward before they go. And sometimes I feel like that obsession with the how, and maybe they're, a lot of times I find they're a calculating behavior style or a steady behavior style. I'm a DISC certified trainer. And it's like, okay, let go, define where you want to go, which in the end, does that that require you to Allow and let go and, and trust that intuition without getting so obsessed with no I need to know the exact steps forward to get there
1: yeah and one of the things that, that that I commonly say is when you take care of the inputs the outputs take care of themselves and what that means is that when you let's say we take that what if scenario and we've figured out uh, you know what our intuitive signals are and the inventory which are unique to each one of us um, then what we know is every every decision that we make is going to be, uh, it's going to be filled with either a positive signal or a negative signal, hmm. okay? And uh, it comes from one of four types of intuition. And so, and and uh, let me just share the story before we dive into the four types of intuition. Yeah. But what happens is when you get into that situation where you understand or you strengthen all four types of intuition and you know what these intuitive signals are, then whatever decision in front of you is, is you're going to make is going to be the right one based on what's worked in the past for you, for hmm. you, not where everybody else, what happens is sometimes we're too concerned with uh, other people's journeys. Where we think we want to be successful, social media is, is 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 a really bad place to do this. And it's it's there's nothing wrong with wanting success in your life, but if you're going to do it by uh, you know looking through the lens of other people or going through their values and not really making sure that it's it's where you're supposed to be, uh, where you're supposed to be led, then you, you're going to be always unhappy because intuition is there to guide you on your path, your purpose, and, and move that forward. And that's done one decision at a time. And a great analogy to this is one of the fellows that I uh, interviewed is a fellow by the name of David Dame. And David of, has always dreamed, always dreamed of, uh, you know, he, so he's had cerebral palsy all his life. So he's been in a wheelchair and wanted to go on the beach. But every single time, they would go on a, he would go on a vacation with his family or his wife. He would be in the back somewhere. And everybody else is playing on the beach and in the water. And he's always going doing that what if mm-hmm. that you and I were talking about. And one day his intuition got so strong to say, David, you're going to do it. And mm-hmm. he said, yes, I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm going to finally do it. He gets wheeled to the edge of the sand water barrier. And that fills his toes. And he's in bliss. And he gets them to stand him up. And then his biggest fear happens. He falls flat on his face. Hmm. And he's wondered about the embarrassment. What are people going to think? Boy, do I look stupid. But that's when his intuitive signal says, Dave, get up. You can take a step in the water. And he does. And then he listens to another intuitive signal. Even though the fear is there, it's starting to subside. Dave, take another step. okay, And a third step. And he continues to live in the present moment. listen to the signals in the present moment saying, take a step, take a step. And then he points to his chin. He says, the water gets up to the chin level. And then he turns around and he was blown away by how far he had come. So when you listen to the signals in the present moment, you can have the goal of going into the ocean, but you have to act today. You have to listen to the signals that your intuition is telling you in the present moment. And that's how you connect the dots moving forward to get to that goal. And that's when you can reflect back oh, I did connect the dots mm. because I trusted my intuition. I'd love to get into the four
0: types. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before, I, I want to, you know, something you mentioned that was when he got wheeled up and he got up and he fell and his, his greatest fear came to play, right? He fell yeah. into the water. Do you find you know, trusting your intuition can lead you forward in a way that connects the dots in a way that perhaps you want to go and, and, and is right for you? But do you ever find, and, and maybe this is off, off track of this discussion, that when you're so focused on that which you fear, that I find in some cases, uh, yesterday, we, I, I, before we started recording, I told you about the, the trying to tape my podcast and the dog kept coming out. Right. Well, it kept continuing. And then later, I uploaded the podcast, and we have horrible upload speeds here. You may notice that I may go in and out a little blurry. But as I uploaded, it took like an hour and a half. And it, at the end, I was waiting to go somewhere. It told me file too big. After an hour and a half, it was almost like this series of things. But the more my frustration grew, and I started off before I taped with, I hope that dog doesn't come out. I find that on a regular basis. I've had things where I woke up anxious. And I'm not kidding you, every electronic device around me (laughs) goes on the fritz, including I went to buy something at a store and they said, I don't understand it. The, you know, the stripe, they now have the, it's not a cash register anymore. It's a, it's a tablet. It's not working. Do you ever find that, that if you go the opposite way of your intuition, kind of, if you're so focused on your fear and the wrong and and your negative intuitive signal and going in that direction, that it kind of comes true sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and this is something that's really common when I've interviewed, and I've interviewed now probably over fifteen hundred people uh, formally for my my podcast and my the the intuitive branding um, stuff that I'm doing. But if you were to ever to go back, you know, it all and that also depends on how far you're willing to take that, you know, that because how how far are you willing to uh, understand that cause and effect? Some people mm-hmm. don't want to go that far. Um, Right. And others will say, "Yeah, absolutely." And I, and I, every single time I remember when people didn't trust their intuition, things like this happened. Either things went on the fritz, they allowed bad people into their lives, uh, they stopped their success or failed. They went bankrupt. Some people went ended up going homeless, um, got into abusive, whatever the case is. When people did not um, trust their intuition. Bad things happened. Hmm. Uh, And and so I'll give you a really good uh, case study of this is um, one of the fellow, and this is another thing called opportunity cost as well. So when you don't take the time to listen to your intuition, the cost is actually twice to you. Wow. And so and so if you look at uh, a fellow by the name of Vin Jang he was uh, this is a, in 2016 this guy is an international speaker keynote speaker international magician he was making seven figures in 2016 and speaking to 100,000 people 80 stage 80 stages around the world you would think this guy is on fire if you were to look from an external perspective mm-hmm. yet in 2016 his intuition got so loud saying you are a broken man Mm -hmm. You really need to fix this because you are getting so caught up in the extrinsic motivation that you've forgotten the intrinsic part of why you're doing what you're doing. And he told his wife, I got to fix this. And he goes off to New Zealand and he starts putting up these values up on the wall, what he thought values were. And then he takes a look at them and he says, wow, that's what my wife wants. That's what my manager wants. This is what the crowds want. These are what my friends want. Where the heck am I?" Hmm. And he takes down those pieces of paper, and then he starts putting up pieces of paper of what his values are. And so conceptually, he thought, this is going to be a cathartic event. I'm going to love this because these are my values. But he said it was haunting because for the first time ever in his life, he was living his life on his own terms. And he came back renewed, knowing that he's going to trust his intuition, and he falls back in the same old pattern again, same old extrinsic motivation, same old fake friends, brand names, Mm. doing stuff for others. And then six months go by, and his parents come up from Australia, and his mom pulls him aside, and he's got a Vietnamese background. And he said his mom told him, uh, this Vietnamese saying, that when you hang around squid, you're going to get ink on you. Hmm. And she said, you have a lot of ink on you. This is not my boy. And that was the intuitive wake-up call moment that needed. He cut out all his friends. He sold his downtown LA apartment, went down to a minivan, minivan forgot the brand name stuff, moved out to the suburbs. And he said, if, if I don't love my wife, I'm going to quit uh, You know, loving her. I'm going to divorce her. Uh, if I don't love speaking anymore, I'm going to quit. I'm making seven figures, but I don't intrinsically love it.
0: Hmm.
1: and so, but he, luckily, I mean, he, he stayed with his wife and he's transformed what he's done in business, but he had to make that decision to shed all the extrinsic motivators out of his life. And so when it comes to opportunity costs, one of the things that I told him was that, well, Vin, and that was a six-month time frame. it wasn't just the six months of time that you lost ignoring your intuition. It's also the six months of time that you could have gained Mm-hmm. by trusting your intuition. So in fact, you've actually lost a year of your life. Wow. And if you've made a career helping 100,000 people a year improve their lives, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he said, I've never ever thought about it like that, Sunil.
0: Hmm. I know we keep pushing off the four, but I, you keep saying wonderful things that I like to play That's on. Okay. And, and, that, <laughs> and that, I love that quote about the ink and the squid. And and I think we talked this, uh, about this a little bit when I was on on your show, but you know I've I've said for the last several years, um, well more than that, but and and it has nothing to do with what's happened over the last two years in the world, but I, that two of the greatest threats to humanity are conformity and apathy, and one feeds the other. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, and, and when I was on your show, I, I, you know, I used to be in advertising and, and talked about some specific advertising as designed specifically to get us to turn off our intuition. You trust your intuition over here, but you're just one wonder drug away or one product away from doing this. Even though your intuition goes over here, that programming is kind of the ink from the, from the squid. What do you think in terms of that? Is that? Is, for instance, in, in his case, do you think that's from uh societal programming kind of taking over his subconscious so that he was acting when he when he put the values on the wall without even knowing it right it's it's just like ro robotic just like oh wait i and then i feel guilty about wanting something for myself
1: yeah you know it's it's, it's so hard to you know, it's it's not hard. I think it's hard for us to get us to do that. Uh, and there are a lot of what we consider norms um, that, ha- that happen or get kind of dashed away. Uh, we start to strip away the people that are around us. We start to not live our values through other people. And although conceptually, it sounds really intriguing to do, I think people just have a hard time of letting go of what of of what homeostasis is, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's tough work. Uh, it's rewarding work, but those people who do that go through that that toughness or they that fear. They break through the fear, and when it comes to fear, you know, fear. There's two types of and with your intuition being in the amygdala area, it's really kind of your fight or flight area. So either you're going to be eaten by a saber toothed tiger, or you're not. And if you're going to be eaten by a saber tooth tiger, well, it's very simple. You have a negative intuitive signal. As long as you've done the homework on what that signal is that is specific to you, then it's going to warn you to take a step away and walk away from that situation. Or if it's it's, uh, just fear because it's taking your life in a fresh new direction that is really meant for you, that fear may come in. But if that's paired with a positive signal, Again, if you've done your homework on what your positive intuitive signals are, then you go through that fear Mm. because your intuition is telling you. And as you continue to do that, the fear starts to subside over time because you're trusting something that's so natural to you, um, which is your intuition. And Mm. and that's how you kind of break free of that. And with, with Vin Jang, I mean, he got so caught up in the ego, stroking. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, look at me, look at the world. And he was lying to himself and his intuition knew. And, and one of the things with negative intuitive signals is it starts, they start very subtle in nature and they start to get louder and louder and louder until you can no longer ignore them anymore. So 2016 was his breaking point. But his breaking point should have been much earlier than that, 2013, 14, when his career was on the rise, and he started surround himself with falsehoods, and keeping up with the Joneses and all that stuff, thinking that that's the secret to success, and then this game, you know, pushed by crowds, you know, feeding his ego and and clapping him and and uh, you know people. Here, here's a Mercedes-Benz and here's a downtown LA apartment. I live at this the zip code and all these egotistical things that he used as props to boost his ego were moving him far and far, farther and farther away from who he was. And the people who recognized him for who he was was his parents. Think, hmm. this is not my boy. Who are you? You're lost. And some people make the decision to continue saying, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's when this you're still on that slippery slope or that slippery slope slope starts getting steeper. And what happens is your intuition never leaves your side. It's always giving you these signals. But what happens is when you're so concentrated looking down on that slope going down, you don't have time to go up and look see those intuitive signals or that rope that's going to pull you out of that situation. And the time that you actually get to look up is when you're at rock bottom because there's only one way to look and that's up. And so when I used to do my podcast interviews, I mean, we started your podcast interview with, these, with the question about how do you define intuition? What are your signals? But when I first started my podcast interviews, my first question was, what? how has intuition played a role in your life. And 100% of the time, the story that was told was at a time that they were rock bottom, they became homeless, they got into a car crash, they mm-hmm. were in the hospital. And in one case, I had one person who she just didn't want to be on camera, I was very nervous. And I actually wanted to interview her to find out how she trusted her intuition to be an IFBB champion on stage. Mm-hmm. That was my angle. And so I said, don't look at the camera crew, just talk to me and we'll make it conversational. And I popped the first question, when did intuition affect your life? And she goes, I ignored my intuition, I was sexually assaulted. Wow. Uh, and we spent the next 45 minutes talking about the signals, starting from the very first time it said, move away from this guy, hmm. to the time when she got over, uh, overtaken and then uh, assaulted. It's a totally different direction. That's
0: amazing. Um as a segue into the four types, you mentioned doing your homework, mm-hmm. and you also mentioned early on that you know research has found, and, and your research and, and other research has found that uh, as 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 little as what you said, two months old, right? Yeah. Uh, intuition. When you go back down to that basic level, and a toddler two months is, I guess, still considered an infant, right? Could the homework be as simple as I touched the stove? and got burned. Therefore, intuitively, I know for the rest of my life, for the next 95 years, that was my homework that now I know intuitively not to touch the stove.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. That's where the the one of the four types called experiential intuition is, which uh, we were talking about earlier. You touch the stove, and it gets hot. Uh, And maybe you touch the metal, and it gets hot. You touch the fire, gets hot. And so each one of these data points, or these, these points of failure, so to speak, are Again, data points that are going into the subconscious area of your brain to say, "Okay, you can do that again. No problem. It's your decision." But I've told you, just because this this oven is white instead of black, if you touch the fire, it's going to get hot. And then all of a sudden, hmm. Now, as when you're younger, you're you're again uh, putting the data points together, and it's similar to 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 walking. You you know, uh, children fail, but they get up. And they do it again, and we encourage them. Come on, come on, come on! And we and we you know hold our hands out to get them to walk, and eventually they do. Uh, and so w- once again through trial and error, what they've tried, maybe it's the angle, maybe it's you know using their hands, but they're intuitively learning along the way. And the more data points that you can put in in your brain, the more learning you have, the better the quality of the sig- the decision you make going to make because of that signal. So, like, if you have no experience in business uh, and you haven't bothered to, to, you know, take some courses or get mentors, such as yourself or myself, what have you, that are, that have the experience to guide you along the way, then you're shooting in the dark. And mm-hmm. so, there's no wonder why you know 91% of businesses fail in the first two years, and 99% of them are gone in the first five years, because they just haven't trusted their intuition to make the right decisions or get the right mentors on board.
0: Well, that's, you mentioned the experiential. Um, let's dive into the four types.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so the, uh, the way that I look at how intuition works is that it's like driving a car. And so we talked about the signals. You get in the car, you push a button, turn the, and you listen to the engine roar, and you keep running. Um, and you don't need to be a mechanic. To drive a car, you don't need to know about compression ratios, gears, all that stuff. Um, and what I wanted to do is take a take a peek at what's under the hood of this this thing called intuition. And what I noticed is, I after doing some research uh, with the academic research and interviewing my the these over fifteen hundred people, was I noticed that there were four types of intuition. And the best way I can uh, ex- explain the four types of intuition is actually through a case study of a non believer. So, uh, uh, one of my friends was a, a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. And uh, this fellow was an investment banker. And so, this guy, you know, data, spreadsheets, everything ruled his world. And so, uh, because he was a friend of mine, he was one of my very first interviews. And I said, John, would you mind talking about intuition? Now, at that time, Intuition was seen as, you know, coming from the cosmos, uh, voices from God, uh, and and that's fine if that's how you define intuition. It, to me, it doesn't really matter what your definition of it is. I'm here to say you've got some signals. Where they come from is up to you to define that. But for him, he did. He's like, oh my, okay, this thing is, just does not exist. You know, come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I said, okay, John, do you, do you mind just let's do an hour? He said, yeah. You know what? I haven't seen you for a while. Let's just talk about this thing you want to talk about for intuition for five minutes and we'll grab a coffee and we'll catch up. So I'm driving down to see John and I'm thinking, okay, I wonder how this interview is going to go. It's my one of my first ones. Um, and so we sit down, I actually turn on the camera. And I start telling him about these signals, and I told him about uh, the CEO that sees omens on his right shoulder, who's now run two multi-million-dollar companies on that signal. I also tell him about uh, an, an, another entrepreneur who, whose left earlobe gets hot whenever he's about to make his bad decision, which is his positive or sort of negative intuitive signal. And he's saying, saying, "Yeah, you know, omens, and you know, these, these, these you know, I would really like to shake their hands, but you know what?" I, I, any decision you make in life is about your learning and experience. Hmm. And so this is when I start telling him about experiential intuition. And I told him about what experiential intuition is. And I said, in some cases, John, your intuition actually has you go against the data.
0: Hmm.
1: And he goes, well, that's really funny, Sunil, you mentioned that. I actually have a something like that that happened. And I said, okay, well, please tell me. And so he said that, there was a t- time when he was looking to put a franchise location in. that's what his business was in. And so if you put in a McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, there would be a team in place that would look at whether that franchise is going to be successful by looking at traffic patterns, demographics and development of the areas as examples. And his team would use a benchmarking system out of 10. And so a nine or a nine and a half out of 10 meant that this is a great place for a, uh, a franchise. So He walks into this area of Toronto, which is a crappy area of Toronto, and now we've we've moved on from experiential intuition to now situational intuition, which is the Mm. second one. And we've all been to that uh, situation where we walked into a room and we say, huh, something's off here. And that's your situational uh, intuition saying something in this environment is not right. So John and his business partner walked into this area of Toronto, where his team said, yeah, this is a five and a half out of 10. And he goes, huh? And now he's telling me, perhaps it's my intuition, I'm not sure, but something saying that, no, you know what, it is going to be successful here. And he goes against his team's advice and he puts a location there. Uh, That ended up being something called the beer market, which was the most profitable franchise um, brand under his whole portfolio of brands ever in the history of his company. And then at some point, his purpose changes. And this is then we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it only allows people through a thick intuitive filter that gets you to listen to those people that you absolutely trust. You know that they're going to be there for you through thick and thin. They aren't yes people. They will give you constructive criticism, but they, their intention is to lift you up. And so, I mean, Kurt, you and I have met hundreds of thousands of people, I'm sure, between the both of us. Um, through our lives, I've got two, hmm. two people out of all those hundreds of thousands of people I've ever come across who I intimately trust. And it doesn't mean that they're static. They can move. Their lives have changed. Their values have changed. Mine may change. So that is, it, that is an ongoing, you know, some people come in and out, but that's how really strong your relational intuition is. And so in John's case, he wanted to move away from our three to $4 million a year career to run A business. And so all the people he surrounded himself, who were full of ego, money, fame, high-end restaurants, that loving lifestyle, said, You're you're an idiot. But only one person actually wanted to find out why. And that was his wife. And his wife asked, John, why? Why do you want to do that? You're so successful here and you want to just start from ground zero. And he goes, Because this just feels right. Hmm. That was his intuitive signal, and then you would think that when you look at creative intuition, which is the fourth, this gives you the risk level of the decision that you're going for and which you should be able to tolerate. So, if you're turning at the left, a lights left, or you're eating a sandwich, you know it's not a very risky decision. Your creative intuition is pretty low, but in John's case. You would think that his intuition would hand him a business to run that has you know healthy cash flows, strong balance sheet, uh, good profits. Nope. His intuition says, John, you're going to run this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. Hmm. And this is exactly what I'm going to paraphrase what John is telling me. So an hour before this particular statement, he says, intuition doesn't exist. Half an hour before, he says, eh, perhaps intuition, I'm not sure. Now, when describing his decision to run this tiny, bankrupt little restaurant, he looks at me and says, Sunil, you can have all the data in the world, but you have to trust your intuition. And he walked into that tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant was Eastside Mario's location number one. And sure. over the next 20 years, he grew that to over a 1,000 locations Two billion dollars in revenues before he retired. Just after uh, I had the interview with him, all because it felt right. That's the power of intuition. That's an amazing story, and
0: and something you've brought up—a word that you've used several times across several stories—is the word ego. And it's interesting, you know, when you look back, uh, whether it's the Taoists, whether it's the Stoics, whether it's the Buddhists, talking about the difference between ego and the identity. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about identity today in in a variety of contexts, right? I identify as a Republican, or I identify as a Democrat, or I identify as this and that. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between your ego, or maybe not just the difference, but how it's easy to confuse our ego with who we actually are and if intuition is a greater, uh, I was going to say signal, but there are intuitive signals, a, a, a more of a signal about who we truly are versus our ego.
1: Yeah, and so when I, when I looked at sort of the academic definition of egos, because I, I wanted to really kind of dive into science, there was kind of two sides to ego. Um, and it's very similar to, uh, uh, there's a Dr. Euchre um, that does... Um, mm-hmm. um, not pronouncing the correct, uh, name correctly, but anyways, she looked at self-awareness, which is kind of who we are, how we see yeah. each other. And what the, the uh, research shows, that there's kind of two types to ego. The first is um, one where you put on a mask and you're being who you are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where intuition comes in is it's going to tell you, like whenever you're in front of people you're, and you're putting on a mask, you're being someone you're not, um, you can sense that. Right? Because you intuitively know, I mean, because it takes effort, energy to put on that mask. And then you start filtering all your words and how you behave through that mask, but you intuitively know that that's not who you are. And then it's, and so if you look at, you know, putting on the, and you can just take a look at, if you want to even video yourself, take a look at how you are with someone else. And when then the door closes, take a look at your demeanor afterwards and take a look at the the parity or the difference between one versus the other. And the second side was narcissism. So, Mm -hmm. and there's a fine line between being narcissistic and being self-confident. Being self-confident means that you have the experience to back up the advice you're giving. But if narcissism is, is really about, if you're just sort of blowing hot air to make yourself look good, then your intuition is basically telling you. You don't know what you're talking about. And this is where trust becomes really important because intuition is a two-way street. It's not just the signals that your intuition is telling you, but it's also the signals that somebody else's intuition is telling them about you. Mm-hmm. So, when you are egotistical and you're putting on a mask, not only is your intuition saying uh, you're being fake, but the others are looking to you and saying, this is not someone genuine. So they may be your friends, they may be in your circle, your coworkers, and maybe it is a, it's great to have a beer with you or a coffee or, or have walks with you, have good chats, but will I allow you into my inner circle? Absolutely not. Because you are not true to yourself, and when it comes to narcissism, you know, uh, and I'm sure we, we, you and I have, have uh, looked at people talking about the things that they think they know, and quickly, you know, that they don't. And so, in your earlier example of shutting off intuition when it comes to branding or some of the messaging, right. this is exactly where this comes, where you've got something that stops the scroll. Um, and gets you into something that's, oh, well, this emotionally triggers me. But the, what happens is there's no consistency in the journey that gets you to say, okay, this was the promise that's being made, but it's not being delivered. And so, yes, you may get people to buy your products and services, but you're getting people who are possibly desperate, mm-hmm. who are not in touch with their intuition. And this is when I say you're bottom feeding when it comes to fishing. Because you're kind of getting the people at the bottom that are kind of half dead. Uh, and No disrespect to them. It's just that that's what you're reeling in. When you should be reeling in the bountiful fish that's going to feed your family. That's going to feed the village. And you're completely missing it because your hook is in the wrong place. And those people that are, that that the, the bountiful fish that are, tr- are trusting others, your hook is like, I don't trust that hook. Yeah. And so I yeah. never get to it. And so that's what marketing should be like. That's what sales should be like. And when you're coming, you're, when you, you are true to yourself and your company's purpose is really going through the lens of the true core values and you're being intuitive, and you're being authentic, and, and you're being empathetic and you really care about the, the products you put out that's solving real problems and you care about the people that you work with, that's how you attract people to come to your company. That's how you attract customers to your brand. And these are highly talented employees, fiercely loyal customers. And when they come to your brand, guess where they're coming from? Your competitors. Hmm. And if trust happens in under 14 seconds to make that decision to support your brand, it takes them under 14 seconds to leave your competitors. And that's how you eliminate them in under 14 seconds, which is the tagline for intuitive branding.
0: Yeah, and 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 um, you you mentioned uh, in your website in the book the 14 seconds and that decision. But when I was on your show, you also mentioned a stat that was I th- I believe 33 milliseconds.
1: Yeah, that's how quick can
0: it starts. You, can you talk in terms of the diff? Is there a difference between the 33 and the 14? Does it depend on the experience and what's going on?
1: Yeah, so the 33 set milliseconds is based on how we can measure the brains today with the MRI technology that we have today uh, or a, a number of years ago when the study was published when they looked at people trusting others to exchange in this case it was investors so exchanging money the part of the brain the amygdala that lit up where where it's it's talking about trust uh was mapped to trust it started lighting up at 33 milliseconds wow and by the time the decision was made to actually exchange money with that investor, um, or make that investment, that happened in 10 to 14 seconds. Wow. So you actually start to gathering, the four types of intuition actually start gathering information in as little as 33 milliseconds to make sure there's consistency in body language and tone in somebody not being autistical uh, you know making sure the situation is correct uh, making sure your experience is there so all the four types of intuition are starting to assess in 33 milliseconds what the right decision is so that between 10 to 14 seconds it's ready to say yep go ahead with that decision and then if we look at how soon this happens between the actions or decisions you make. There, uh, further research has shown that your intuition actually acts on average seven to 10 seconds before you actually make a decision. Uh, and new research coming out of University of Toronto, I haven't seen laid eyes on it. So I'm just going by another colleague who is really into the work that I do. She was saying that a, a, a I think a neuroscience research ha- researcher has shown that that happens in as, sooner than 23 seconds, 23 seconds before you make a decision, your intuition's already telling you. So, I mean, whatever the number is uh, to me, it, it, you know, tomato, tomato, right. uh, w- what I'm saying is that your intuition will, will always give you the right decision within fractions of seconds before you make the decision. And it's up to you, whether you listen to it or not. So you can have a half an hour interview in, in when you're hiring, and within the first 14 seconds, you'll actually know whether you trust that candidate or not. Um, and you can try and in the next, you know, 28, nine minutes and, uh, you know, uh, 40, uh, 46 seconds. You can try and bolster that or find holes or find out the, you know, things that your intuition is not sure of. That's when you take the rest of the interview to maybe uh, bolster something that you didn't know about or uh, actually find something that, yeah, this person is deceptive. Um, and that's how I advise people. Hiring, for example, and using those four types of intuition.
0: You mentioned earlier, you know, there's some people who, when you talk about intuition, take more of a spiritual, metaphysical bent. Yep. And then there's some people who are, no, there's no way. And, and you look at, you know, you look at the Tao or you look at some things in even Hinduism and think, you know, thousands of years old. And people would say for those thousands of years, ah, that's just mumbo jumbo. That's just crazy. And then, you know, 100 years ago, with the dawn of quantum physics and quantum mechanics, it's almost like in a lab, they're proving. I mean, whether it's the observer and the observed, they're showing the things that they knew about thousands of years ago. And some people will say, aha, that was tested in a lab. But you look at those things. When it comes to intuition, and you're kind of, you know, 14 seconds or 33 milliseconds there. What do you think is going on? You know, because someone who says, "Ah, oh, that, that spirituality," no mumbo jumbo. But that same person will say, "I got a bad vibe. I got a bad vibe." Whether it's spiritual or just a, a physical bad vibe, what do you think is going on there? Is it an exchange of electromagnetic impulses? Is it is it something deeper?
1: Yeah. So, so this is again where where how far you want to stretch that belief and this is why to me it doesn't really matter how you talk about intuitive Mm -hmm. signals like my fellow john rothschild you know if i was telling him about manifestation you know this guy is probably gonna you know call a psychiatrist and give an appointment (laughs) uh versus others who uh you know as you talk about coming you're very much into eastern philosophy and i absolutely believe that there's an element of uh, of that is coming from the uh, you know messages from God or or whatever your faith is, um, uh, or and if intuition is also being carried uh, like I interviewed a Buddhist monk who said that intuition uh, is also carried through your genes you know and you can look at research on epigenetics to kind of use that as a backbone to see that intuition uh, you know gets carried on um, and so it, it, this is where I'm a bit ginger in terms of really saying, okay, where does intuition come in? My personal belief is it, it you know, it, uh, I, I have a strong Hindu faith. I believe there's messages from, from, uh, you know, that perspective. I also am rooted in science, obviously. Uh, and so there's sort of a confirmatory one there. And I just know for myself that it happens. And so when people are, like for in John's case, going from zero to hero in an hour was really about me educating him on things like signals, things like how the four types of intuition really manifested itself in his life. So it's really about his experiences, his definitions, how it acted in his, his um, uh, in his life, looking back at connecting the dots. And when he understood that, halfway through he's saying perhaps it's intuition and all the way through he now knows that's intuition and when we actually shut the the video off and I shouldn't have when I turned the video off this guy was like a kid in a candy store Mm. I had no clue this was what intuition was like and I can snail I can tell you so many more instances where I've made decisions like that that nobody's ever understood but I just knew it was the right decision and that's why he's really successful today Um, And so this is where I take people on a journey backwards to figure out those, again, we're talking about those what ifs, but really couching it in what they understand and how how they want to extend it, right? So I've had an NHL coach, former NHL coach tell me that, uh, you know, intuition comes from the cosmos, you know? And so if you think NHL coaches just look at data on uh, on spreadsheets about their... um, the players that they put on the ice, you know, he's made situations there. He put one of the weakest players in a really important game for the last penalty shot that was there to break the game. And everybody and his coaches, assistant coach are looking at him saying, I think this guy needs some help. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, that person goes on to score the winning uh, goal. And he said, that was all intuition. No stat told him he was the worst player on the ice. So from a statistical perspective, Hmm. he was crazy. Uh, But from an intuitive perspective, it was the right decision to make at that important point in that game.
0: So as a playing on that and talking about business, I'd like to give you two scenarios. One is you have someone who works at a large corporation. Uh, They're either the VP of branding or they're the CEO, right? And their intuition is telling them one thing. And they internally feel, however, I have a responsibility to this. It could be a public company. It could be a very large private company. We have all these employees. We have people who rely on us, shareholder value, all that. All that's going on. And all the data says go one way. And my team, who I hired to, to trust, is showing me all this data. But my intuition, I have learned, whether it's the omen on the shoulder or the hot ear or whatever, goes this way. What would you tell someone like that? Because that's a, that's a steep hill to climb. Uh, and then the second case study I'll give you the question would be kind of an entrepreneur who doesn't have the experience, but whose intuition says, start this company where well, you have no experience. So the first one though, that, that CEO or, or the corporate exec who has to go against the grain, like that NHL coach, you said, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a lot of, well, if I put this guy in and he misses the goal, I'm the goat. Right. What, what would you tell an executive like that?
1: So, first of all, I, I think executives are, are really, you know, they again they show me the data, right? And so, mm-hmm. when I look at uh, and, and a lot of it, everything about intuitive branding is about earning the trust of your employees and customers because they are directly responsible for your success. And so, being a leader means to provide leadership and mm-hmm. making them feel trusted and respected. And when that happens, the data shows clearly with uh, things like the Edelman Trust Report that looks at has been spending years looking at trust. Um, and the stats show that when you have employees that trust you or trust uh, uh, the leadership, they are 37% uh, percent more productive. They are three times more creative or six times, pardon me, more creative. And 31% of that 37% goes directly to profits because of the increase in productivity, all because they trust you. And customers are no different. When you create messaging um, and treat them like customers, rather than the dots on a graph, they are nine times more likely to buy from you again. And typically they're buying almost twice as much. And this is research that's been, uh, there's so much research behind this level of trust. So if you're a CEO, you have a duty and responsibility to, to make that decision. And yeah, absolutely, you know, your short-term profits uh, are gonna be, might take a hit, uh, but you gotta take a look at, you know, where's the long-term gain, um, and to convince the shareholders. And if there's anything, I mean, if you look at what the great resignation is all about, when I talk to my friends who are CEOs of companies, Uh, You know, they are directly telling me either in on podcast interviews or behind the scenes because they don't want to tell anybody that the reason why this is happening is that so many companies have done things the wrong way in treating their people. That the pandemic has actually helped people say, Okay, what do I value in working for a company? Mm. And these employees are now saying, No, uh, I want to work at a place where I am really valued. And so, for some of my, for every single one of my buddies, it means they're going to have to pay a little bit more. It means they have to interact with their employees a little bit more. And so those who are successful in doing it are saying, well, that's, that's I have to do that. I've been doing that for a while. And that's why he attracts a lot of talent or that's why she attracts a lot of talent. And that's helping them put more products and services in the hands of their customers. And they actually choose their customers based on whether these are the right customers to work with. Because if they're going to treat their staff like that, then they said, I don't want that as a customer. So mm-hmm. they're using that same, the same tactic in using intuition to figure out, you know, we, are, we need to tr- treat people the right way. And if you don't, then you're going to be, again, bottom fee- feeding because you're going to get talent that are just there because they need a paycheck. They don't care about you. They don't care about your products and services. They don't care about your customers. They're there to use you as a stepping stone to another opportunity. And mm-hmm. so do you want to be a company or do you want to be a, a rug that people stop on? <laughs> so what kind of company do you want to run, right? And, and, and if you're so short-sighted that you're, you're a slave to the, the stock market and, and the short-term, short well, good luck because if that, that is internally going to rip you apart. Um, and if you look at anything, if you look at these people who are super successful, the majority of them are so unhappy, so unfulfilled, mm-hmm. uh, and they end up regretting way too much later, right? And so 80, 60, they're regretting when they're about to die or you know, they've done everything. That's not the time to regret. The time to regret is today that you haven't made the decision to move you forward. Why do you want to wait till you're 60 or 80 and waste all that time? And again, there's opportunity cost that comes in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right?
0: By the way, before we move on, are you okay on time? Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Because I know we ran up against the hour, so yeah, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So, so the other scenario is an entrepreneur. And let's say it's an entrepreneur who, you know, I've worked with entrepreneurs who um, are now gun shy because they quit their job, corporate job. Their intuition said, quit it and start this business, but they don't have the experience to know how to do it. And their their intuition was correct, but that next step <laughs> of maybe getting help, of doing those things, led them off a cliff and so or backed them into a corner. And so now they're like, I did that once, I'm never going to do it again. What would you tell that entrepreneur?
1: So if their intuition has really told them to quit, and not because they have a caustic work environment um, mm. and because they've been they've been oppressed at work, you have to be very careful that that's the the reason for leaving that workplace or that career because it's not the right career. If the, if your intuition is truly saying that you have something that you want to put out in the world that's gonna help uh, you know some improve the lives of somebody, you have a product or service that's gonna do that, then it, it, that's the first thing I would take a look at is make sure that that's exactly what it, it, his or her intuition is saying. The next step is to say, okay, why? Why are your products and services going to move the needle to, to help extend or increase the value or increase the, it, the convenience in someone else's life? What problem are you solving? So those are the types of questions you want to ask. Because it, that's exactly what, what the, why you're creating those products and services in the first place, is to make someone's life easier in some way, shape, or form. That's the messaging that you need to put out there. And so then you have to make sure that, that when you put out that messaging, that people are willing to say, yeah, I want that, and they're willing to pay you for that. And you have to also get away from the big spike when you have family and friends saying, Absolutely. I'm going to support you. Then that's great because that's a spike of hope. And then you've got the valley of, of uh, you know, oh my God, like, okay, I actually have to go out and sell this thing. I actually have to tell people about it. And so the next thing is, as Gary Vaynerchuk says, uh, you know, let the market dictate whether it's valuable or not. Right, And so are your sales coming in or is your messaging wrong? Um, And have you really found a problem that is going to affect a lot of people? Because you also have to take a look at that. Um, And so when you have that messaging that really drives someone home, Uh, That, uh, you know, the things that I buy that create value in my life are because I get that emotional trigger that I'm buying that for something that's Mm -hmm. helping me intuitively want to buy that. So that's the story that I'm in. So you have to reach people like me with that story. And when I come in to, and I attached myself to your story, now I'm intrigued. And that's going to get me down and say, yeah, that's going to increase my value uh, in my life, or it's going to help my kids, uh, or it's going to help our family, or it's going to help move my business forward. Absolutely, I'm going to invest in that. Right? And so the tools that I use in my business and the things that I buy for my family or for myself are things that move my life forward in some way, shape, or form. And that's an emotional thing. So your job as an entrepreneur is to make sure you craft messaging around that. Once you get that, that customer, treat that customer, right? If you're bringing on people, make sure they believe in your vision uh, and they're excited. You treat them properly to make sure that they add to the creativity of what you're doing, especially in the, first, uh, the startup stages. Um, and that's how you move your business forward. And that's all based on intuition. And so a lot of the, the, the products that you see, or the customers, uh, or, or the products or services that you see have all come from a, a purpose, right? A story. Uh, and, and that story changes. And there's a really good uh, uh, book uh, by April Dunford on, on positioning. And, um, you know, and one of the, the things that she talks about was that she was selling a database when she was at IBM. And it was like, okay, we're, we're database, we're faster, better than you. And so she got, you know, IBM got lost the noise noise with this database, but when she, when she actually said, well, no, it's, it's actually, we're more of a data warehouse um, and it actually helps you make business decisions. Um, and then people, the customers intuitively connected that to say, oh yeah, mm. so you're actually not a database, you're actually a data warehouse that helps us make dis- business decisions that makes our business move forward. Yeah. Can I have one of those? We're talking about very expensive ones. And to give you a personal example of where I've taken an entrepreneur uh, from zero to hero, um, one of the, the people I met here in 2000, I think it was 16 or 17, was someone, uh 2007 I met her. And she had gone through a time in her life where she walked into, her boyfriend called her uh, up to his apartment. Um, and she walks in and uh, there's blood everywhere. Hmm. And he locks the door behind her and said, um, I'm already going away for one murder. Why we'll as well make it two? He had just murdered their best friend in the bathtub. Oh, my gosh. So she was assaulted. Uh, she was choked. She was asked to clean the blood. And her intuition kept her calm and kept him calm. And then she was able to, her intuition was able to find a, a window to escape. And it said, run now. So she ran, <clears throat> went down 18 flights of stairs and survived um, because of her intuition, but she was never able to leave her apartment because she was so afraid PTSD. She was used to go to the gym every single day. She stopped that. She put wood all over her, uh, her, her apartment because she couldn't stand all the other stuff would made her feel safe. And so she was afraid. And then we had met through, um, uh, an entrepreneurial event that she got invited to and instantly connected. I got her story, um, And she wanted to write a book. And so I said, okay, let's take you through this journey. And so she went through my intuitive branding program and she put her book and all the things that she talked about how she healed from trauma was what the book was all about. Hmm. Um, And through that journey, she learned a lot about her signals. Uh, I took her through a seven day challenge that finally got her out of her house to just go to the gym, to just talk to people. And so she was able to trust her the signals that she had cut out a lot of people in her life. Uh, and now she's got a website with her book and she's sold over 10,000 books now from not being able to open the door. All because she's taken that intuitive branding or how to earn the trust of people uh, to reach people. And so she's putting out blogs and vlogs and she's connecting with people. And I get text messages from her every day or every second day. Someone else, her boyfriend just committed suicide. That happened two days ago. Uh, Someone else just left an abusive relationship uh, and they're reaching out to her. So her purpose is to help these people. And she's got a full-time job as well. And she's got this on the side and she's making some money doing this. Uh, And she's helping people heal just Mm -hmm. by her words of what she went through. And the types of messages that she's shown with me and shared with me are transforming their lives. So that instead of them being suicidal, they're now looking to, okay, I'm okay. And she's the vehicle to, uh, because of that, because of the time she puts in to talk to them, because of the book that she has, because of the blogs that she puts out. So her purpose of helping other people, it happens to be a book that actually moves them ahead. And she didn't have an investment to make, mm-hmm. but she trusted her intuition to invest in what I was doing. And this is where we are at. And now mm-hmm. we're in the process of putting courses together and coaching because she's getting asked a lot about that.
0: What is her name? I'd love to link to that and and and, and read the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, her name's Ashley Michelle, and so you can okay. go to uh, ashleymichelle dot com, um, and her book is called "Finding Strength Tr- Through Tragedy." Um, it's, it's just a horrific story, yeah. um, but how intuition actually saved her life, and now she's being getting booked on podcasts like crazy uh, because of that story. Yeah, um, and uh, and so f- coming from someone who thought that she was worthless and couldn't get out of an apartment to now writing blogs and helping other people save, saving other people's lives and getting on podcasts and doing blogs and blogs in a span of about a year. Wow. Okay.
0: It, one line, la- one final question. And, and I think it's something important that you mentioned it. Well, I know it is. Um, at the beginning of this last answer response was, when I asked about the entrepreneur who wants to leave their corporate job and, and do that, and 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 the first thing you said was kind of knowing the difference between I want to start my own business because I have value to offer the world versus it's a toxic work environment. Can you can you delve into that a little bit? Because that's so hard to under that's so hard to know. And if it's toxic, And maybe it's the wrong career. Maybe it's a toxic job. What do you tell that person? Because they may need some sort of change, um, but they they swear their intuition is saying start a business. How do you help them discern what the reality is there?
1: And this is where how quick they answer a question uh, is mm-hmm. my in my indication. So if I look at, if they're coming in a toxic environment, uh, it, it, and then the, a lot of the stories around the people that they're with, right? So if you look at the percentage, they're talking about that, and then, okay, so we talk about the career. So why did you go into this career? What do you like about it? And so I'd look at, take a look at the tone, some of the adjectives they're using to describe it so that I'll know that, okay, so it's not the career it's the career seems okay because they seem to be really happy in what they took at school or whether they got into a trade or whatever the case is but if but if if the decision says i want to be an entrepreneur and i'll ask why if we don't start if i start testing okay what so what does your product or service do and i don't feel that energy of you know, this is really helping solve a problem or what problem is this problem big enough to solve? Uh, then it's something that you got to be careful about, right? Because if if it's not something that that's going to, you know, really kind of scale at some point, um, or if they want that to scale, you know, they don't have to be a million dollar business, if they're happy with just paying their bills, uh, and just putting that out to the into the uh, into the uh, marketplace, it, that has to be gauged, right? So not everybody wants to be a millionaire. Some people just want to say, yeah, this is something of value and somebody's buying it. I'm happy. Hmm. So it's gauging that. And so when I start asking specific questions, I'm using my intuition to try and pick up on, are they really in this for the uh, goods and services that are going to change someone's life? And why? And who? How come? And a lot of those questions will get fleshed that out and really listen to what they're saying, look at their body language, see if they're trying to sell me. Sometimes I'll, I'll tell people, stop with your marketing and selling. So because some they'll get onto a soapbox. Say stop with your marketing selling. Answer my question directly. Hmm. Uh, and so and, and I, I want to do this because if I don't ask in those kind of ways, they're going to waste their money uh, and time and effort and fail. And I don't want to see that. Um, and it's really really important to do that to make sure that it does. And so and I take my kids through that. Um, through that, uh, uh, through as well. So, if you look at the art, some of you guys can partially see the art behind me. Um, you know, my my uh, twelve, my she's now fifteen. When she was twelve, she went to India, and she said, "Dad, you know," and she's an artist. She's been an artist since she was four. She saw these people who were, who were painting with no arms, uh, and uh, she goes, "Dad, I want to do something for those people who are disabled or have illnesses. They're just normal people, and I want my art to do something. To do something, I want to help with the art." And I said, "Well." Uh, you know, I, her name is Avni. I said, Avni, you know, it has to come from inside and you really have to, do you really want to help? Or do you want to just, you know, help do a couple of paint nights or something like that? She goes, no, I want to really do something big. I said, mm-hmm. okay. So it's got to come from your intuition. And six months later, she thought about it. This was in December, six months later in June, a couple of years ago, she whips her head around and says, dad, I'm ready. And I had no clue what she was talking about because I, we were playing a board game. And I said, hey, you ready, it's not your turn, right? <laughs> um, and so, And she goes, no, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready with that. you remember what happened in India? And I said, yeah. So tell me what it is. And she goes, I worked it out. So I'm going to sell my paintings and I'm going to have a fundraiser. And then I'm going to have, uh, bring people together to paint who are disabled or, or have illnesses. And I'm going to pay for all their supplies so they can just express themselves through art on the one day uh, just to feel special. And I'm going to continue to raise money to do that through my painting and donations. And I said, are you sure? Because this takes a commitment. This is not a one-time thing. And she goes, dad, I am. And so to date, uh, she's, she had her first fundraiser. Uh, we were targeting 2,500 and I said, think higher. Hmm. And she said 5,000. We, we get, we got over just over 5,000. Wow. Uh, she was she sold. So we had a three hour event. Uh, she sold all her originals <clears throat> in under an hour. And we actually had somebody FaceTiming from Scotland uh, who bought a painting. Um, and so we had to ship, ship that off to Scotland. That was really exciting. Uh, and then she had her first paint. Uh, her her pop-up event was called a pop-up event. and She had people who had Down syndrome, big brothers and big sisters, those in that in come. But this is where the purpose comes in because this is where the, the, the purpose gets nailed in this one incident, this one thing. And so... There was a fellow that who, who had uh, cerebral palsy all his life, and so his left arm kept shaking, and so he lost his interest in art ever since he was 18. So he came to this event. He had heard about it through Facebook, and he said, Avni, please come here." So she came and sat, stood right beside him, and he said, "This is what your your uh, event is doing for me." So he takes his paintbrush, uh, and his left arm is just shaking wildly, and his right and his Paintbrushes is in his right hand and he dips the paintbrush in the paint and puts it to canvas. And the minute it goes on the canvas, his left arm stops shaking. Wow. And he goes, Avni, this is what you're doing for me. Thank you so much. Wow. The purpose was nailed right there. And so she continues to raise money. She's on podcast shows. She has her own podcast show. She does all the back-end work for it. So she, she does Adobe Premiere. She's up on Libsyn. So you know the back-end stuff that has to happen with the podcast. She does all that stuff by herself because she has to understand what it takes to put that stuff together. And she's raised over thirty thousand dollars now in two years, wow. and she continues to uh, to raise money for her for her uh, for non nonprofit. And her my my other daughter wants to now raise money because she saw her bigger sister doing it, uh, and so she wants to do bookmarks. She's a singer, and so uh, Taylor Swift is her uh, her mentor. And so she says Taylor Swift, um, you know, she says no two of my, uh, no, all my friends are looking at devices. I want them to read. And hmm. so I'm going to design bookmarks, and I'm the money I'm going to donate to Sick Kids because Taylor Swift went to Sick Kids and spent her time. And I said, if you're serious, then you got to raise 500 bucks. My wife and I told her. It took her five days. Wow. And she did a Zoom session with my buddy, pitched to him, uh, which I recorded. And one of my podcast interviewees, I was because he was telling me about intuition and what I teach my children, and I was telling him about this incident. Said he said. I would like to be pitched by your daughter. I said, okay, I'll set it up. She, she pitched to him and she, he gave her 100 bucks. But the the thing is trusting your intuition to make things happen, to create value in other people's lives, uh, to don't let other people say no to you. Age doesn't have a barrier. Gender doesn't have a barrier to these signals. And they've also used their intuition to move away from bullying behavior even before the bullying behavior started. So this is now being put into their personal and professional lives. And if I can give them that foundation, it doesn't mean they're not gonna fail. It doesn't mean that my daughter's gonna be a full-time artist when she's older. I mean, she she can do whatever that she wants, but the foundation of what I'm trying to tell them about living with purpose, creating value for others, listening to your signals, uh, don't let what other people tell you are all foundational elements, in my opinion, that are gonna help them later on and, you know, I, I, I mean, as a father, what what kind of what other purpose do you want to have? I I, yeah. I, I don't know.
0: Hmm. Well, Sunil, it, it, I have about two more hours of questions we <laughs> could do here. It, it's it's honestly, and I don't say this often, I, I've never yeah. said this. This is this is perhaps the most fascinating interview I've ever done oh, in four you. years. I appreciate. Um, that. And you have a new fan in me, and I'm sure you're going to have a new fan in a lot of our listeners. Um, Uh, that you can go to your uh, sunilgodsay.com, get your books, subscribe to your podcast. I took a little quiz or assessment on your website last night. You can download the ebook. Um, but can you tell our listeners, um, who do you work with and how do you serve them? It, do you only serve big companies? You've mentioned working with some entrepreneurs. If someone's listening is like, I gotta work with him. I gotta, I need his help. How can they do that?
1: Yeah, so typically they're gonna be early stage entrepreneurs who who are willing to make the investment to really kind of see uh, them move forward. Um, so typically they're, they're ones that already have a, a business coming in at the five, uh, they're making five figures a year uh, or six figures a year where, you know, the cost is not gonna pinch them because it's a combination of course Work and coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And so if they're willing to make the investment, then then we just ramp that up. And, and uh, it, if you go on com, I mean, you've got a number of testimonials there from those who were willing to share their testimonials because a lot of my clients don't want their competitors to know that I'm working for them. Mm-hmm. But of those that are there, um, who I say have gossiped about my uh, my services, uh, they have collectively made uh, over a million dollars. Ashley Michelle's there actually. So she talks about the marketing aspect um, of the intuitive branding. But yeah, and so these are real stories of people that that I've worked with. Um, And so if they really want to find out about how to use their intuition to earn the trust of others and really hit the ball out of the park, let's work together and uh, we'll make that happen.
0: Sunil, it has been my pleasure and honor to have you on the show. And I'm sure our listeners, our viewers love it as well. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it.